0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you here today. Um, could we uh, get someone to close the door real quick uh, for us, just so um, all, those noisy all those noisy whippersnappers out there have fun playing dodgeball in, in, in the room? That's always like a great high school game. you know. When I was a youth pastor, we, we would always I'd always be like, let's play dodgeball, and all the guys would be like, yeah. All the girls would be like, no. <laughs> Hated it. I don't know why. Can't, can't imagine why. Uh, let, let's get someone to... Would someone like to pray for us today as we jump into an exciting part of Ecclesiastes? Oh, the shoe felts! Yes. Which shoe felt would like to pray? Well, I will. Cindy, thank you.
1: Lord God, we thank you for allowing us to be together this morning. We ask that you anoint Eric with your words so that we can hear what you want us to say. Help us have receptive
0: ears and hearts, Lord, and we just praise you for what you're going to teach us this morning. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. Um, welcome back to the class, Ecclesiastes, uh, where we are learning about fearing God and keeping his commandments. Uh, last week, we talked about something that was really interesting. Uh, can someone remind us what we kind of talked about last week? What, what did, what did Davis wa- David Davis. What did David walk us through last week? Relationships? Relationships? Okay. Go on. In the context of what?
1: God didn't make us to live alone. Yeah.
0: With each other. yeah yeah two is is greater than one we're supposed to have community and human connection the need for that with one another sometimes we isolate when injustice or oppression happens to us and God has given us the gift of community not just with each other but also with his son Jesus in order to bring us life. The church is the, the gathering of believers, and, and as we see that is a, is a place where we can find healing um, and, and relief from the trauma that happens to us in this broken world. Any other insights that uh, picked up from, from last, last week? I
1: like the way David um, broke it into that one. Yeah. Oh, um, um, human connection, oppression, work motivation, mm. isolation, government leadership. Absolutely. I I, I, I need a list like that. Yeah. <laughs> my thoughts. Oh, yeah. So I appreciate where
0: you, you um, yeah. made an album of that. Yeah. Points. Yes, yeah, a round of applause for David. He's just, he's turning it up. So he's doing great. Just letting you know. Okay. Um, thank you. No, thank you for that. Yeah, Just uh, just thinking about... Man, uh, all, those, all those different things uh, and areas where we, might be able to ex- where we might experience injustice or oppression or, or, or things that happen to us that are the result of us living in a broken world. Uh, Kohelet says that the gift is uh, the human connection. And, uh, and we find that connection ultimately through through Jesus um, and and the church at large so that should be a healing agent for us um, and, and and how we recover through traumatic events that, that take place um, is done through by the ministry of the Spirit uh, unto Jesus so wonderful okay talked a lot about uh, about that gift and how we can seize joy in the midst of a broken world oftentimes through community Um Okay, so we've been going through this course and the main point of it, I'm going to reiterate again, you'll hear this over and over and over again, whether you're new or you haven't been here for a couple weeks, um, but the point of this class is to understand and internalize the message of Ecclesiastes and to learn how we might fear God and enjoy the life that he gives us. Remember, when we look at Ecclesiastes, sometimes like people read this book and they think to themselves, man, Ecclesiastes, you know, Kohelet is just such a... Uh, a depressing guy. <laughs> he's like always. He's troubled about heaven and he says everything's meaningless, or uh, you know, everything in life has is is futility. Uh, and uh, and a lot of times we can we can easily dismiss that and be like, man, this is such a depressing book. Why would anyone read this? Uh, but in fact. The closer that we read to this book, we find that Kohelet is actually inviting us to seize the day, uh, to seize joy in this life, rather than to commiserate in its pain. And my hope is that we learn to understand that message, uh, that he's not just talking about that everything in life is, is screwed up, but rather uh, things are screwed up. <laughs> Kohelet's a, a great realist here, and to see that, yeah, the world is is broken, uh, we're not going to put a, a, a shiny, happy face on all the time or to look at, through it with rose-colored glasses, but rather, uh, how do we search for joy in the midst of a broken and painful world, and, and that will enable us to enjoy life. Uh, but how do we enjoy life? Uh, we have to fear God, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, typically, when we go through the book of Ecclesiastes, we're kind of looking for this paradigm that we've been focused on for a long time. Uh, this, this word hevel uh, is, is a Hebrew word that is often translated in our books as meaningless, futility, uh, enigma. And uh, a lot of the times we, we might be tempted to see this word, hevel, uh, when it's translated vanity or meaningless, as, as kind of an emptiness. Uh, and so it's, it's often weird because we're, we've been told that life has a purpose and, and we know that Jesus has a purpose for our lives and that God created life with a purpose. And for he- Kohelet to be saying that, oh, it's like meaningless, that's, that's really kind of weird. So the best way for us to think about this word is that he's not talking about an empty meaninglessness, uh but rather he's trying to say that it is an enigma it's a puzzle it's a conundrum and, and and there's things in life that I'm I'm frustrated by because I follow God in this world and things just don't work out that the way the way they do uh things are broken people get sick people die there's injustice and oppression around us there's uh all sorts of uh, of different things taking place that that why did God create this good and, and and wonderful world yet it it is broken and people commiserate in it uh that's when we see this word uh, paired with a lot of different things, that's Kohelet saying, yeah, this is the, this is the, the issue. So he's trying to relate with us uh, in, in a way when he uses this. Uh, he uses another phrase too, which is really interesting, but the phrase under the sun. Uh, remember, that's kind of the pattern of the life that we build outside. Um, we, we, we build this life outside of, of God. And, and that is kind of the, the paradigm of life under the sun. Uh, if, if you guys remember correctly, um, this word hevel is, is also the word used in Genesis 4 for Abel's name. And, uh, and remember, that's a story about people who are, are outside of God's presence trying to get back in. Uh, but also, it's, it's, it's about Cain and how he goes and, and builds a life out, uh, outside of God's presence, how he's moved further away from it. So really really kind of interesting there. Some, some, connect- some scholars have made that connection. There is nothing better. Now here's Kohelet's solution, uh, to seize the day, the way back to God's presence and power, to enjoy life instead of commiserating over its brokenness. Uh, he uses the the terms eat and drink. And uh, when we see that there, it's not a command to go to the refrigerator and to get some of our, our favorite food and drink and to then just eat it. I mean... I like doing that. I know you guys do too. But it, 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 a friend of mine pointed this out to me the other day, but it, it, it's a way for us to to participate in that covenant union with God. What Kohelet is doing is he's, he's calling us back to covenant relationship when we see these words, eat and drink, and to choose joy. Uh, so to come back into covenant relationship with God, to follow his commandments. That is the call over and over and over again, to eat and drink. It is a call to eat and drink. Yes, it is. Uh, But in the scope of how we look at the Torah and how we look at uh, Deuteronomic Law, uh, it's a way for us to participate in the covenant. And how do we do that? We eat and drink, or participate in festivals or meals. That's how the Jewish people saw this. Uh, For us, maybe it's an invitation to come back to communion. I don't know. More on that later. That's exciting. Okay. Um, But uh, you know, but the main point of today is 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 really surrounded this. Question, what does it mean to fear God? We have a lot of thoughts about this. You've seen this phrase, fear God, all over the Bible. We've seen it all over the place. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. And we all kind of have different understandings of, of, of what this might be. I remember at one point in my life I, I thought it meant this and another point in my life I thought it meant this, but now uh, this phrase has kind of opened me up to something new and I, and I think Kohelet is, is really trying to drive this whole, this phrase here as as kind of the center point of his book. You'll, you'll notice that this is what we've, we've kind of reached the middle of Ecclesiastes and, and the way that... Uh, the way that the Hebrews would often structure the book is that the middle of the book was actually kind of like its core or the the most important thing, so there 's debate on whether an, uh, of where in the center this this idea is, but uh, what we do know is is that it's, it it kind of serves as the glue that holds this book together. Uh, and yes, it's a scroll <laughs> at this time, uh, but but it's almost like the spine of the book. It's it's like when you get to the very middle and you see the you, you see the binding of the book. Fear God is, is, is kind of this binding that holds everything together. Um, we we know this because the beginning of the book starts out with Hevel Hevel everything is Hevel, and then we at the end uh, of of Kohelet's writing we all we get the same line is is repeated. So Hevel Hevel everything. Is is Hebel, and at the middle uh, is when we start talking about fear God, and 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 what that means, and then the the author of the book is going to have his own little section right here, and he's going to talk about, he's going to be thinking about everything that happens in here, and he says, hey, the main point of this book is this: to to fear God and enjoy His commandments. So he also gives way to to this this idea that the core of this book is surrounding what it means to fear God. Um, I want us to take some time to, to talk about that a little quickly, um, for, for us to get into some groups and, and to discuss amongst ourselves what we know about this phrase, fear God. Okay. We'll take just a couple minutes to do that. Ready? Around people, what, is, what does this phrase mean? Fear God. What do we know about it? What does it mean? Let's talk about that together. okay let's uh, let's get back together and let's talk about this question and what we know about it thus far we're going to be discovering a little bit more about this what this means but I want to see where everybody's at uh, what do people know about this phrase fear God let's get some ideas down on this board because it'll be helpful uh, I uh, you know just I only know so much uh, but a lot of you guys know a lot of different things and so like as a class let's let's kind of work together and let's think about um, how we can go on this journey to discover w- what what this means. So uh, I, I'd love to hear from, from some of you guys and, and to understand, what, what does it mean to fear God? What do we know about this phrase? Uh, what, what were some of the some things that came up in your group? Yeah. Uh, reverence. A reverence. But
1: also on the other side, actual fear for the wrath of God as you're
0: living outside his will. That would be very beautiful. Fear of wrath? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Yes, Lucas. It does mean real fear, as in more fearsome than anything else
1: we know of, and that's so terrifying we only be upset by
0: its equal love. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, the words that are used to describe um, when, when they're next to both the Hebrew and the Greek words. Um, I forget the Hebrew word, but uh, but phobos, <laughs> You know what is that what is that word? Phobia. Okay? That's where we get the word phobia from. Uh that's uh that's, that does describe terror or fear I'm scared. Yeah. Thanks. Yes. Just so. acknowledging that there is a God. Ah. I don't know if I spelled that word right. <laughs> Acknowledging his presence. I, I depend so much on spell check now these days, so it's just <laughs> okay. not great. Okay, you teachers in the room, just ignore this. Um, Rebecca. we uh, were
1: talking about obedience.
0: Ah. Oh. Oh. You were reading my notes, sting. <laughs> it's like we live together or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, and
1: then one other thing
0: that came to mind was in, uh, in the Quran that view of God is that, that Allah is all things and all things God interesting which uh, when I hear that I'm like that that's
1: scary to me yeah like
0: yeah but our God, a in them, yeah can, uh, yeah There's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting thing there with Eastern philosophy and, and how, how, how those two opposite things can go together. That's very anti-like Western philosophy, um, of things are either one way or the other way. So yeah, it's it's hard to reconcile that, but but still, like yeah, the category for understanding the fear of the Lord um, does hold, uh, I think, a balance uh, between having fear. Uh, but also uh, respect and yeah, it's <laughs> safety and uh, safety and and being afraid somehow go together here. It's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, thanks for your contributions. It's very interesting to think about. So, yeah.
1: So I kind of put it in relationship to uh, with my father when I was growing up. Okay. In that I find was awesome. Yeah. He was all- he was wise. Yeah. He set down the rules for me. Yeah. Um, I honored him and I loved him. Yeah. And I feared if I stepped out of that fear of protection that he gave me yeah.
0: with all of that uh-huh. that I was going to be in trouble. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And that's that's a wonderful thing that you, you got to experience that through the relationship you had with your father and I that that God desires uh, for us to have that same understanding as well. So there's also there's holding both. Oh man, He's all powerful, and but He gives me protection, um, and He is awesome. So thank you. That's a great picture. Love that. Others. Yeah. And He wanted to protect Moses and the people and the animals. Don't get near the mountain. Yeah. And then he couldn't even show Moses his face. Yeah. Yeah. Moses was so shocked he aged. Yeah. His hair turned white. Yeah. So and on the mount of transfiguration,
1: I mean, this wasn't just high, go up and shake hands. These people were terrified.
0: Yeah, yeah. Terror. Kinda like how like fire is such a really a good thing, but you know, we can't we can't get too close to it. Um yeah, yeah. It, there's like a holiness factor to what's going on. Um, have you ever, like, remember when I would li- lived in Northern California, uh, out in Auburn, uh, and like, you know, everyone there was like, like Mr. Outdoorsman, and we have we have big bonfires and just massive bonfires would take place, and we'd bring all uh, the 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 kids out because I was a youth pastor, and so we'd bring everyone to the bonfire and we have like marshmallows, and I just remember you could stand like twenty feet away from the bonfire and just still be able to roast the marshmallow because it was that big, so yeah it's it, yeah i always I always think about that when I think about God's holiness, it's just oh wow, can't get too close, but it's a sort of it's terrifying, massive yes
1: yeah, yeah. That worrying, but it's the of the
0: of yes. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, consequences of, of disobedience. We're not we're not just dealing with uh Mr. Yahweh Elohim down the street, we are we are dealing with an all powerful deity that is above all and is the maker of the universe. I'll stop there. But these, this is a really great list, and, and we could go on forever and ever about this, uh, which, is, which is really, really good. And we're going to see some of these ideas just kind of as we go through um, a brief theology about what it means to fear God. Now, um, there's uh, a lot to be said here in, in, in this whole thing, and there's probably books and articles and papers and all sorts of things uh, derived on what does it mean to fear God. And uh, like my beautiful wife was saying, uh, you know, in order to understand this phrase, we have to go back to Eden uh, and to understand, you know, how are how Adam and Eve called to fear God in the garden temple space? Um, so if you've got your Bibles open, um, I'm going to go through a number of passages that are, should be listed on your worksheets. Um, but it says uh, Genesis 2:15 through 17. Why don't you guys turn there or um, you can type that in on your... Cool cellular devices, but I love hearing the sound of of pages turning. Good job. I am choosing electronic right now because that's just that's where I'm at right now. Uh, Forgot my Bible. Um, I know the pastor forgot his Bible. Just let that sink in. Okay. So. Okay, Genesis 2.15, right here. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here's... What's going on? God takes the man, he places them in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. Those two words are really important because they're the same words that are used for the priests as they take care of the tabernacle space. Okay, Really, really interesting there. Um, So God gives them the command to take care of the garden, uh, work and keep it, to uh, as as I've I've translated, serve and guard it is another way to to think about that. And the Lord God commanded the man to eat of the fruit in the garden to enjoy his creation, but he puts a prohibition on on something. He says, "Hey, um, there's a tree, knowledge of good and evil. Uh, don't eat from it." He's prohibiting the man not to not to hold back, not to say, <laughs> "There's this better candy bar over here." but almost but to protect him uh, to say this is this is the this is the boundaries uh, enjoy the life that i have given you in these boundaries don't go outside this boundary uh, or you you will face consequences now let's jump down to genesis 3 Can I ask a then?
1: yeah for sure so to work and to keep I looked up keep Mm-hmm. It has to do with guarding and mm-hmm. uh, but watching. Uh, so does
0: that indicate that they were aware of evil? Mm-hmm. So you don't know, guard something unless you're aware of evil. Yeah, I I would be inclined to think so um, because the beginning of the the beginning of the story when we look at what is happening on the earth. It says the earth was wild and waste, or formless and void. It's chaotic. Um, it's you know, it's it's just out of it's it's out of sync with 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 what God wants. And the way that He depicts it is God is creating this beautiful space in the midst of chaos and confusion. So that's how I would read the narrative. Um, how we get into the science of all that works, you know, we could probably spend a lot of time. But I w- I would think that. It's at least depicting for us uh, that this space is particularly holy, and 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 we need to take care of that. So, um, yeah. So that's a great that's a great question, uh, and I'd love to dive more into that if I if I could later. But, um, but yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Genesis three. Let's look at there. This is where evil really sets in, and. Uh, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Have you ever seen those things where uh, it, it's like, here's two pictures. Find the differences between the pictures. <laughs> I, I like to think that what's happening in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 is like one of those things. Uh, let's find the differences. Uh, and, and that's intentional because the author wants you to see that, hey, something is happening there within the differences. The, I, I, I see two particular ones that I, I want to draw your attention to. Uh, the first is that uh, Eve adds to the ban on eating of the tree of knowledge uh, a prohibition on even touching it. So it's, it's not just the fact that we can't eat from the tree, it's that we can't touch it. So we're like, oh, that's interesting. That command wasn't issued uh, in, in, in the beginning. So that's the first thing I notice. But, but here's the other thing I noticed, which is, which is also just kind of interesting. Now, uh, when we see the word Lord God uh, next to each other, we understand that as Yahweh Elohim, uh, or excuse my Hebrew, Adonai Elohim. Uh, and so when we're, we're looking at that, we're seeing the proper title of, of who God is and, and understanding that. Uh, but, but what does the serpent call call God? Oh, he just says, did, did God really say? Oh, interesting. He removes that title. Oh, sneaky, sneaky. And the woman seems to almost adopt the same pattern. She too says, but the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, verse 3, God said, oh, not the Lord God, God said. And so you see what the author is trying to do here. He's trying to see that the, 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 the woman is already kind of adopting the snake's the snake's point of view. And, and and she is already thinking to herself and Adam, already thinking to themselves, What's what's God is he holding on, on us? <laughs> is there something greater out there? And of course, you know, the end of the story, they, they take the they take over the fruit and eat it. And their eyes are opened. They know good from evil. And, uh, and and it all goes downhill from there. And so do do Adam and Eve do they fear God? No, they don't. They don't they don't fear him. Um, and and particularly because of, of how they respond to the Lord's commands, which is to enjoy the life that I've given, don't eat out of this tree. So they give us kind of a paradigm and kind of an outlook for hey, here's how we how do we how do we fear God? Um, and and they don't. Okay, now let's go on to... I I can take questions later about this if you want to revisit that. I'm just going to go through this because it's a lot. It will make sense. Trust me, we'll get to Ecclesiastes and everything will just... (laughs) Okay, there we go. Um, Abraham. Hey, does Abraham fear God? He learns to. (laughs) He learns to. Okay, is he perfect at first? No. Obviously, you know, had some interesting encounters there with, hey, guess what? You're going to have a son. Um... With Sarah, mm, kind of old. <laughs> what about Hagar? Yeah, okay, that's what God means, so uh, but eventually uh, learns to l- learns to understand the, how, how to actually fear God. So the first time we, we see the word "fear God, uh, Genesis 20, eleven, if you want to turn there real quick, um, this is just a small thing, but the first time this is uh, Sarah rescued from uh, Abimelech and and the way that Abraham describes Abimelech and the other pagans is that they don't fear God. Okay, they, they, he uses the term there is no fear of God in this place. And and so that's that's interesting to think about like, oh okay, huh. There's there's no fear of God. So there's a difference between people who fear God and people who don't fear God. The people who have been called by Yahweh are those who fear God. And the people who are not called by Yahweh are those who, who, who do not fear God. So kind of an interesting distinction there. That's the first time we see fear of God, fear of the Lord. Um, turn with your Bibles to uh, Genesis 22, 12. We're just kind of going through the little tour here. Ah, okay, here, here we go. Here's where he, he really learns to fear God. Remember what happens? Uh, he's, got the son, he's got a son now. Um, Sarah bears him a son in his old age. And God says, hey, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go up the mountain and uh, burn offering uh, on the place that I'll show you. Ooh, that's, that's terrifying. That's scary. Uh, this is the thing that God promised to me. God promised me a son. I have to give my son up now? What? That's tragic. Um, So, Abraham does what he's told. He's obedient. And right before he's about to slay Isaac, God says, Stop. Don't do it. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. So there is a how are we obedient? How are we obedient here? Um, there is a, a theme of obedience that is tied with, with fearing God. Um, Exodus 9.27, um, if you want to turn there, there's uh, what's happening is, uh, you know, Moses and, and uh, the Israelites and Pharaoh uh, thrown down in Egypt. And the plagues are happening. And uh, God is using these plagues to show Pharaoh who's the boss. Who is really God, and uh Pharaoh actually comes to a point here where he says, "You know what i'm you're right i'm a sinner uh i've he, he even says i've sinned this is exodus i didn 't even turn there exodus nine twenty seven he for Moses, I have sinned this time. Yahweh is the righteous one, and I, my people, are the guilty ones. ooh, got him <laughs> But, really interesting right here. 29, Moses said to him, When I have left the city, I will extend my hands to Yahweh. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail. so That you meet, that way you may know that the earth belongs to Yahweh. But as for you and your officials, I know that you still do not fear Yahweh our God. So it's kind of interesting. We can say and profess, <laughs> I'm a sinner. I've, I've, God is righteous. I am not. Here's the question: In saying that, do you actually fear God? Can those actions be tied together, and that has something to do with salvation? Um, so, I'd, yeah, I would love to sit in that a little bit more, but but think about those things. Like you can you can understand that Yahweh is righteous. You can understand that you're a sinner. Do you fear God though? That's that's a that's a big a big thing. Uh, Okay, Deuteronomy 6.2. We're out of Egypt and we have gone through the wilderness and Moses is getting ready to hand the torch off to the next generation. He's telling the law again. That's why we have Deuteronomy, Deuteronomos, second law. We are presenting the law again to the Israelites who can't seem to understand what this is all about. Uh, but before they go into the promised land, uh, Moses is delivering the law to them and calling them to a fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6.2 says, Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all of his statutes and commandments I am giving to you, your son, and your grandson so that you may live, have a long life. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God. Okay? Following God's commands warrant us to, to fear God and the reason why God's commandments were given so we may understand how to fear him uh consequences are involved with with disobedience and so and so we we learn those things through the law um fast forward there's a lot there's really a lot that goes on if if we do not fear God we we understand this through the judges we understand this through the monarchy now right before of the exile. Second Kings seventeen through twenty-four. Second Kings seventeen twenty-four. I think I said through seventeen twenty-four. Chapter seventeen, verse twenty-four um, is a is a big story. All about. Can we fear God and fear other gods at the same time? No, you cannot. Um, Verse 29 says, But the people of each nation were still making their own gods in the cities where they lived and putting them in the shrines of the high places that the people of Samaria had made. They feared, verse 32 they feared the Lord, but they also appointed. From their number priests to serve them in the shrines of the high places. They feared the Lord, but they also worshiped their own gods according to the custom of the nations where they had been deported from. They were still practicing the former customs to this day. None of them fear the Lord or observe their statues and ordinances, the law and the commandments of the Lord commanded the descendants of Jacob uh, he had renamed him Israel. Yeah, we can go through this whole this whole chapter. So here's here's Israel that is is trying to understand how how do we have a fear of God? We can can we fear God and also fear other gods? No, uh, fearing fearing Yahweh is is the only thing you shall fear. Um, it's the only thing that you shall have a fear towards. You cannot have other gods in the mix as well. So so fearing God is like a a, a single Entity. Um, that's the only lane you can stay in. can fear of God is, is not really the fear of God if you're fearing other gods as well. All right. Let's look at. The, so we went through the Exodus, went through Israel. Wisdom literature brings up this theme of theory, fearing the Lord. Proverbs one seven. You guys are familiar with this. It says this: the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the path to wisdom is is having this posture of fearing the Lord. And uh, when we fear the Lord rightly, that's when we discover what it means to become, to become wise. Uh, take Job, for example. My Hebrew teacher told me this, that no one in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament at least, is described like Job. Okay, Look at everybody. <laughs> even the greats like Moses or, or Abraham, maybe even your favorite Old Testament character. Job is so distinct God describes him this way um, for there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Hmm. Okay. Fearing God, turning away from evil, blameless and upright. These seem to be qualities that, that kind of go along with, with what it means to, to fear God, uh, to have an, an awareness of his presence. Um, understanding of his wrath, reverence to him. And, and these things seem to posture Job in such a way that allows him to respond to the evil in the world and the horrible things that happen to him. Okay, finally. I, how are we doing? Are okay. yep. um, okay, we few Yeah?
1: You need to have respect for the devil and the demons um, and not think... You know, I don't know if that's a fear... Of other gods, but you know, uh, uh, and Paul. Then uh, there were some people that said that he you was know, and the demons didn't recognize him, they jumped on him and tore him apart. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, I don't know if it's respect or I don't know what the right word is. Uh, uh, I, I fear God yeah. first of all, yeah. and I want to please Him, honor Him, yeah. and worship Him, but. I also see that there's, there's evil forces in the world that need to be acknowledged, maybe, you know, I
0: don't know what the word Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. That's really important. It's hard to use the word respect or, like, reverence, but um, it, it's almost to not be ignorant of the spiritual realm and to understand that, yeah, there is a... We battle not against flesh and blood, but the powers and principalities, uh, is, is what Paul tells us, and, and that there is an active... Spiritual battle going on, good evil, and we're in the midst of it. And to just not blissfully be, oh, the, you know, the demons or, or whatever this is, they they can't they can't touch me. It's it's to understand that you no, know, this is a this is a reality we currently live in. So so yeah, I I think that's important for understanding fearing God is is not being ignorant of the evil forces that are there. Thank you. Yeah, Judy. Yeah, but not worshiping them. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. We can get really excited and, um, oh man, this is so interesting and like angelology, demonology, the study of that and getting into the science of all that, how that works. um, It can be a distraction. David?
1: Yeah, so so, um, God says that he set us, he gave us honor and glory. Yeah. He set us right below the...
0: The angels. Yeah, so, Hebrews.
1: So our position yeah. is below. We have to acknowledge that there are both evil as well as good uh, angelic beings. Yes. And, and the evil angelic beings without God's power in us
0: yeah. is gonna, are going to overpower us. Yes. Thank you, David. Absolutely. Alright, we've got to move on. Um, Ecclesiastes 5, 1-7. through 7. Finally, turn there. Okay, we're going to get to how Kohelet talks to us about fearing God. It's the the center that holds this whole thing together. Uh, so I want you guys to get into groups and uh, for about five minutes or so, I want you guys to read, read the passage together and then look at, um, you know, I said talk about things that stuck out to you. Um, yeah, I, I want you guys to jump to jump to the second question just for time's sake right now. Um, so read it together and then what does Kohelet mean when he wants his audience to... Uh, water That's your water That's your bottle. Bottle. Oh, my water bottle is blocking the way. <laughs> There we go. Look at verses one and two. What does Kohelet mean when he wants his audience to guard their steps and to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools? Can you think of other instances in the Old Testament when people did not guard their steps? Hmm, Interesting. All right. Three, two, one, break. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap things up. What did you guys find in your discussions about this uh, to guard your steps? Oh, there's that word again. When you go to the house of God. What did What did we discover, what did we discover in this section? Talk to me. Yes, Jacob. Yes. Oh, yeah. A thought just came to mind about
1: like examining your life. Like you come to church one day a week, examine the other six days to make sure you're in alignment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To do do we actually um (laughs) is it is it just when we walk into the spaces of worship, or is it is it all all the time? that's, that's great, yeah. And particularly, I think here, um, guard your steps when you go to the house of God might not just be talking about the gathering of believers like synagogue or, you know, if you're a first century Jewish person um, or, uh, or church for us, but actually when you're going to the temple uh, because the temple is where God uh, resides, not just where He repre- it's representing where he resides. It's actually a, a liminal space, um, the Holy of Holies, where uh, heaven and earth meet together. Yes. That's great. Thank you, though. Very good. What else? Um,
1: the, the only instance I can think of right off in the Old Testament where they didn't guard their steps is um, they're headed toward the Promised Land, and yeah. there's battles along the way. a yeah. group
0: comes to them from a city and says, "Don't attack us. We're from far away, and we're really sad and horrible and we've lost people, and we have crusty bread. They were from nearby. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they yeah. made a promise with them not to attack them, and then mm-hmm. it turns out they should have.
0: Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I cannot remember of these Yeah, that's no, fine. I can't either. <laughs> I, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I know you're not. That's all good. That's fine. Yeah. Yes. We, it's all good. Let it be noted. You hear, do you hear that, Krista? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so
1: something else is, I was told when I was in Israel that the steps to the temple were not made evenly so
0: that when people went to the temple, oh. they had to stop... And walk slowly and think about what they were doing. You couldn't rush up, Ooh. accurate. I, I don't know. The tour guide told us that. You know, I would, I would believe him then. So, or her. <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's, that's really interesting to think about. That it actually is the posture of, of going up to the temple um, is, is a way for you to actually think about where am I walking? Where am I going? I'm not just waltzing into God's presence and just being like, all right, yeah, we're going to church. High five. See the greeters at the door. You know. Yeah, totally. It's it's uh it's a big deal. So other thoughts, yes.
1: It's important to realize that when you pray to God, we only have that privilege yeah. because the Holy Spirit translates and Jesus intervenes and there was a lot that went into that being possible. Yeah. So we should guard our steps, we should choose our words carefully because yeah. that's a enormous privilege. Yeah. And mess that up yeah. and blaspheme in
0: our words and that's not something that we should think that yeah. is acceptable in any sense. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So why uh so based off, off just kind of what Mr Lucas is Rogers is saying, uh how is our speech and what we say and do connected to our relationship to fearing God? Like like think about that for a moment. Why, why, why does our speech matter in the in, in the guarding of our steps?
1: Well, immediately comes to mind is that God spoke the world into existence, mm. so we're created in the image of God. Mm. So words are powerful.
0: Yeah. And words are important. Yeah, yeah. They are not just things that we, we say, but um, but I think when we we understand judgment and when we understand uh, the fact that our words do matter and that we as well, as image bearers, uh, have the ability to create and to build up and also to harm with our words, uh, are is important. And uh, I- in fact, it reveals probably something within us. It reveals probably the inner depths of our soul by our speech. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's, that's really, really important. Um, uh <laughs> yeah. Let's let's keep let's keep sussing this out a little bit. Yeah.
1: So when I'm reading that God is from heaven and you are from earth, I think of it as our speech needs to be respectful. It's not like he's he's our buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he is God. Yeah. He's up here. Yeah. And we need to listen more than tell him what what needs to happen.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Is that part of our prayer life even too to listen? Uh, and to actually think about like do we um do we do we listen to god uh is he is he he is speaking to us are, are our prayers filled with just kind of the churchies that we we know how to speak um, do, yeah how do how do we respond how do we respond to god um, in 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 a relationship goes two ways listening and and also speaking so I love that, Cindy. Thank you. For 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 Kahulet, he is to understand the fear of the Lord is a proper understanding of his of the transcendence of God. To know that we are here on the earth as His creatures, and God is in heaven above. Fascinating. Yeah. Yes.
1: The word that keeps coming to mind is mm hmm. lot of Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. We learned that in chapter 3 about time. It's to humble you and to make you understand that you are a limited being. Think about that. Yeah. You can kind of think about another another time that I, I thought about people not guarding their steps and how that was connected. Remember, that, there's that word shamar, okay? And uh, guard... And that is the same word that we find in Genesis. Am I my brother's guardian? (laughs) With Cain and Abel. There we go. And uh, when we think about that that word of guarding the temple, um, think about the sons of, of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. And they are, remember the strange fire, they go and they offer the incense before God, but it's not the prescribed way to do it. And so they are, uh, they are slain in the presence of the Lord. And uh, it's because they, they approach, it's not just because, oh, they didn't follow the directions, right? It's, it's they, they come before God, not thinking what they are doing, um, to do things in a manner of their own way, to approach God not with the reverence and awe that he demands or that, or that is ascribed to him. Yes, Lucas?
1: I think it's interesting to see Gideon, mm-hmm. who is, in some sense, a faithful follower of God. Yeah. He speaks very freely and tests God, and we see in the rest of his story, yeah. God continually, continually shows him just how much higher above him he is. Mm-hmm. He multiplies the miracles that he asks for and Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. uses him
0: without any of yeah. the type
1: of army that he expected. Yeah. And he
0: humbles him yeah.
1: in many ways. Yeah. And we see that he's merciful mm-hmm. to Gideon, but he's definitely saying, Yeah.
0: Don't take me lightly. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't take God for granted and and the tragedy is at the end of that story is that Gideon leads the people in serving other they they go back to following other gods and and that's and but it, but it does make you think though like God is not he's not here to zap you if you do something wrong but he does he does have, have grace towards you in your life and to teach you how 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 you are to fear him is, is really important um, here's yeah, yeah 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 i was just going to say one of the
1: one of the horrors or tragedies of the modern or the contemporary evangelical church, I'm speaking generally, uh, regular, Sure. Yeah. Is that the idea of fearing God yeah. is completely lost because we have weak and mild Jesus. Uh-huh. This, this is for these guys. Mm-hmm. He, he's your brother. He loves you. Yeah. Um, there's absolutely nothing nothing to fear, yeah. nothing to worry. I mean, I I don't know how many times I've have heard evangelicals tell me um, how are you? I would ask. Um, God is good all the time. So you know this this sense that there's absolutely nothing to fear about God. You, you pray and I mean, things happen. If they don't happen, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think the whole idea of, of fear,
0: wrath—you know—Jesus spoke about wrath and hell more than he did about heaven. Yeah. I think it's completely almost completely lost in the evangelical church. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because we 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 respond out of a way of not wanting to scare people away from Jesus. We don't we don't want to scare people from Jesus, but we also want them to realize that this is this is a costly thing to follow him, and it's not something to be taken lightly. It's not just a, a pep rally that you can show up to and, and enjoy life with him. It's it's it calls it calls us, as Craig Bartholomew says, um, to have an attitude of holy reverence and creaturely openness to being instructed by him. And so that's, it's not just someone who's going to be here to make you feel good, but at, at times you'll be humbled by that. Um, I want to flip over to... Thank you for your contributions, everyone. This has been really great. Um, as we wrap up, I want I us to think about Jesus and uh, where he teaches us to fear God. Matthew 10, 27 through 42. Um, Therefore, don't be afraid of them. There's nothing to be covered that will be uncovered and nothing hidden that will be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim in the housetops, don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, okay? Where are, who are where is your fear placed? Is it placed in other people? Is it placed in other things, concepts, ideas? Or is it truly placed in God? This is the ministry of Jesus. It is calling us back to having a fear of the Lord because that is what will how how we are able to enter into the, his kingdom presence. Um, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Okay, I won't read the whole thing, but you know the Pharisee, they, they are both going up <laughs> to the temple to offer prayer to God. The Pharisee is the one who says, God, I'm so glad that I'm not like this tax collector over here. I'm awesome. I'm wonderful. Here's someone on the outside who looks like he fears God and has it all together, but on the inside is, is, is really kind of a wretched person. Tax collector, here's someone who looks like he doesn't fear God. it feels, it feels like he's betrayed everyone else. Yet the tax collector is the one who understands his position before God, knows that he is on earth and God is in heaven. And the tax collector says, have mercy on me, a sinner. Powerful. Here's the last thing I want you guys to look at. And I'll we'll end here. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Jesus is on the cross. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God? You're undergoing the same, we're, since you are undergoing the same punishment. We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise." Um, Remember how we've talked about in Ecclesiastes how we have kind of the the paradigm for everything. It's how everything's kind of hevel, um, this ableness of life. We're trying to get back into the presence of God, which is kind of a reflection on Genesis. We're trying to get back into God's presence after we've been kicked out of the garden. Uh, Remember the Bible starts with Eden, a garden, and it ends with a city that is a garden, uh, where the tree of life is, and Jesus is kind of at the middle of the story, teaching us about how do we get back into life and presence with God. How do we get from here to here? Um, and the criminal who's who's next to Jesus says, "Don't you even don't you even fear God?" See, unlike the the first criminal who's kind of mocking him alongside the rest of the crowd, this criminal understands that th- what the fear of the Lord does. And even at the point of death, realizes that this is, this is how he can say, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Um, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Notice how he doesn't use the word heaven there. But he uses the word paradiso. That word is used by the Greeks to understand a garden. Today, you will be with me in the garden. Miraculous. That's where Jesus is taking us. When we fear God, it postures us to go into the presence of God, to be in the garden space. We're not going to some fantasy land up in the clouds. But we will be with him in the garden. Like Adam and Eve were. Or Cain and Abel were trying to get back into. The garden space. That's what Kohelet is, is trying to figure out. How do I get back into God's presence? fear of the Lord is an attitude of holy reverence to God, yielding to his presence and responding in a life of humility and absolute surrender. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Or what I, At least I'm where I'm at right now with that. It's all these things and more. Is it just holy reverence? Yes, it's that, but it's also, it's also more. It's to understand as terror. Is it just terror? No. It's not just that. It's, it's, also, it's also that of reverence. But in actuality, those two things together uh, lead us to a a posture of submission and yielding and understanding that we are creatures and, and God is the creator. When we correctly fear God, we embrace our status of creatureliness under our creator and rightly posture ourselves to enjoy the life he provides for us and the life of the world to come. Boom. That's where we're headed. Friends, (laughs) Friends, <laughs> we're out of time for today. But uh, my prayer for you is that you, you would understand what it means to fear the Lord. That it's not just a phrase we throw around, uh, but it's an actual posture that we have for our lives that enables us to be part of God's presence. And when we fear God, when we fear him rightly, it starts opening the doors in our hearts for us to be able to enjoy the gifts that he gives us in this broken world. Lord Jesus, thank you for um, coming to earth and teaching us how we might be in the garden space. Your presence is what we long for. In the midst of our hardship and our pain and our suffering, you promise us a place where there is no weeping or crying, no evil. And you allow us to experience this life in the here and now. Not just when we die, but here amongst the saints at Glenwood Community Church. I pray that this place becomes a thriving garden of your good and perfect ways. Teach us what it means to fear you so we might enjoy the gifts you give us. We confess, Lord, that at times that we we have not feared you rightly. We don't understand that you are a holy God. We offer that confession to you, Lord, and, and submit ourselves to knowing you so we might see your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. See you guys next week.